your hands in Jesus' name. Lord, for Sadana, for Cynthia, we lift them to you. For Ashish, we ask your blessing on these members to bring fullness of health, fullness of life to them physically, mentally, spiritually, in every way. And anyone else in this room, or all of our families who are ill or sick in any way, we speak out the healing touch of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, just welcome Remy and Deborah to. They're changing me again. Praise there the Lord. Could you stand, please? Let's welcome Remy and Deborah. Praise the Lord. These guys are running a church in Serbia, a very good church serving the Lord. So, welcome among us. Michael and Doreen, it's their last Sunday, but there's two train lines down. So they are on their way. They just texted. At the end of the service, hopefully they'll get here and we'll pray for them. And we'll close and just spend time with them. What was that worship like? Jesus. That was absolutely fantastic. I don't know about you. That was fantastic. Um, I, I've got a word for you this morning. I want to deal with one thing, okay? Not a hundred things. I want to deal with one specific thing that probably has been a blockage to you and you may not have realized it. And it's timing. You cooperating with the timing of God for your life. There's a guy called Charles Stanley. I think he's excellent. I've followed him for many years. And he's an expert in principles, biblical principles. And after all his study, he says that your timing problem is probably in the top three issues of your life. And some Christians, for their whole lives, never even stop to think about it. But timing is important in multitude of ways. Scripture tells us that in terms of discernment in your spirit, being able to suss something out, Scripture says this, God will give you two things. The discerning of spirits. You will be given the ability to tell a good spirit from a bad spirit. And secondly, the discernment for the time. So God will let you see, make you aware of the times for your own life. Times to make this decision. Times to move house. Times to get married. Times to have children. Times for whatever is on your agenda. And if we do not perceive the times, if we're not tuned into God in that way, people get stuck. They get stuck for years and years and years, and it causes enormous frustrations. The famous scripture in 1 Chronicles 12, from the tribe of the sons of Issachar, there were 200 leaders, and of that tribe with their relatives. And all these men understood the signs of the times and they knew the best course to take. Well, I pray this morning that every person who hears my voice will know the signs and the times for your life. Amen? Amen? Seriously, I'm not just saying that. It's not rhetoric. I pray that every person listening to me, that if you want this, that you pray with me now, and say, God, maybe this is the thing I didn't realize. Maybe I've been pushing ahead of you like many before me. Maybe this is what I've missed. And today I give you my life. 
to have another go at this. And let me not run ahead, let me not be lagging behind, but let me from this moment on get in pace with you. Timing is important. In life, in family, in business, in sport, in relationships, in your career, timing is important. And the idea is that you line up your timing with God's timing. Take a look at this. Sorry for my scribble. You've got a choice. You can live your life by your timing to get to the goal that God reveals to you. Or you can live your life by God's timing and you'll get to the same goal. Now this is the problem. If you live by your timing, stress, stress, anxiety, anxiety. Putting pressure on yourself that God's not giving. Pushing yourself, expectations that he doesn't have. Other people putting those on you maybe. If you insist on this, right, and you never break this habit, because that's what it is. It's a way of living, a way of moving. If you insist on living your life by your Timing. God in his goodness may well end up bringing you to that goal. But you know what, folks? There's an easier way. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. And if only we could, if only I could, and I hope this doesn't sound bad. I'm pretty good on this. I'm not good in many areas. But in my past, I have been pretty much, I think, in step with the Lord. I thank God for that. Started almost as soon as I got saved. I've got other issues I'm not in tune with, but the timing issue, no. As I look back, that has been really good. So I pray that same blessing and anointing upon you. God wants to show up in our lives. Wants to show up, wants to do something special, wants to take us on. And I pray whatever the issue is that holds us back, that you break it today. Much preaching, an enormous amount of preaching, is about the goal. Prosperity, success, etc., etc. Telling you about the end result. But it doesn't tell you about the process. Right? And if you, if you listen to endless preaching, you're going to be wealthy. You're going to be successful. But nobody talks about the process of getting there. You're going to live with false expectations. You're going to be living with false timelines. You're going to think that you should be there already. And yet when you study the characters in scripture, what is the focus on? The goal or the journey? The journey. Every character, it's the same story. God says, yes, I do want to bring you to that expected end. I do want to bless. I do want that. But I want you, in order to get there, I need you to focus on the day-by-day Step by step. Who likes waiting? No one. Zero. Exactly. Nobody likes waiting. But unfortunately, folks, I'm sorry, but I don't see anybody in Scripture who didn't have to wait. And if something is worth having, it's worth waiting for. And it seems to me that the, the, the greater the blessing, the longer the wait. That the greater the thing that God has in store for you, often the greater you have to hold back. And you can think, like many Christians this morning, when is my time? When is my time going to come? I've been waiting for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Anybody there? When is my time coming? Look at that list on your sheets. 
Jesus spent 30 years. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine the power available to Jesus Christ? For 30 years, he's chopping wood. For 30 years, he's a carpenter. Now, he had the ability to walk out of that door. Listen, eyes forward. There's a coffin being carried past the front door. And Jesus is cutting wood. Can you imagine the temptation to say, Oh, rise from the dead. You see, right? In him, he knew he had something. But he had to live in anonymity. And some of you, you know that God has put something in you. David, God's put a book in you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> He's, you, you've said that, right? God's put a book in you. You know it, Stephen. God's put a gift in you. And God's put something in all of us. Something that you know you carry. But it's like a woman when she's pregnant in her first few months. Nobody knows yet. And you walk around with a knowledge there. But the terrible thing is some people don't know how to bring that baby forth. And some people lose the, the promise of God. Imagine Jesus and the discipline of having to live an anonymous lifestyle working in that place with his father and some of you are there. Don't be discouraged with that. Do you know what Jesus wait, was waiting on, by the way? Just to be clear, he wasn't waiting on God. He was waiting on a man called John the Baptist. And you're not so much waiting on God, by the way. Just get that clear. Because God has set up the church. You're waiting on a man. And Jesus was waiting for John the Baptist to say, Behold the Lamb of God. And that was it. That was the moment of his calling. For me, it was Rick Seward, remember? I was driving a bread van. Not cutting wood. I was delivering bread. Here's your bread. You get it? Yeah. <laughs> very frustrated. Very frustrated. Feeling totally anonymous. Feeling that I've got something in me. I also had a book, David. I've got something in me. When is this ever going to come to pass? But I broke something in myself. I definitely broke something in myself. And as an impatient man, I became a patient man. And I resigned to the fact that when God is ready, He'll come my way. And for me, it wasn't John the Baptist, it was another man. And for you, don't get so hyper-spiritual that you're waiting on God as such. That's fine. But you, someday, someone should walk up to you and say, Stephen, I see something. Stephen, I see something. Right? And your job is to hold yourself until that moment, preparing yourself for that moment. Moses, the second one on your list. What a wait, but what an enormous task he had also. Moses had to wait for 80 years. Anybody fancy that? 80 years. And by the way, I'll say this for Moses, something you may not have ever noticed before. Moses, if you look at Moses' life, he was in the basket floating down the river. Next thing, he's in Pharaoh's household. That's different. You go from one place to a completely different place. Keep listening. Then he's taken out, he kills the Egyptian. He's taken out of Pharaoh's household. Now he's in exile in a cave. So that's different. So Moses had a first start. Then he had a completely different second start. Then he had a completely different life again. Then it changed again. Now he has to go back to Pharaoh. Then it changed again. He's in the wilderness for 40 years. Now I mention that because I think God was very firmly with Moses. But look at the different phases of his life. And part of my struggle is when I look at 
Christians' lives, there are no phases. It's just the same. People have got stuck somewhere along the line. And I got a little bit of a problem with that because I believe God wants to take us through experiences. You know what it's like. You go to a church and they say, you know, this is Mr. Jones. He joined the church in 1851. And he's still here. Wake up, Mr. Jones. He's still here. You know, 160 years he's been sitting in the same seat, singing the same song. Now, do you know what? I say, praise the Lord. I'm not mocking that. I say hallelujah. I think. <laughs> because do we serve an exciting God or what? Do you think God's got something for you? Well, I think God's got something for me. And I'm not so sure it's the same thing over and over again. It certainly wasn't for Moses. And many scriptural characters, once they get the first step right, the second one comes. And once they get into the habit of being able to go for a complete transformation, where are you going to be next year? What could God do with you next year if only you would listen today? Where would you be? So I went from driving that stupid bread van <laughs> to Singapore. Completely different world. And I've been full-time virtually ever since, with only a few weeks not. What a transformation. Then went to Dublin. Ten years. Then completely different Glasgow. Totally different scenario. Many different phases. Don't get stuck. Be open to whatever God has for you, right? Amen? Be willing to walk into it. Third character, Abraham. Abraham's not a good story Many aspects of the life of Abraham are not good. He was an idolater, remember? So God called him out of that and called him to lead the people. But Abraham remained in idolatry. It's just his idolatry became what? See, there's the problem. That's a problem right there, guys. What was the idolatry? Abraham worshipped idols. He put them aside. But in the end, he worshipped his family. And he would not leave his family. God spoke to him. Abraham, get thee up and leave Terah, leave your family. Take Sarai and go off to the land I will show you. Did he do it? No. He was still worshipping idols, but this time it was his family. They came before God. And some of you, God will call you. Or maybe he has called you. But you are also an idol worshipper. Idols can be people. Not made of clay, right? They can be people. I'm not willing to leave my father. I'm not willing to be far away from my children. I'm not willing to do that. Well, if any man is not willing to love me more than father or mother, brother, they're not worthy of that call. Right? And the first big character in Scripture, Abraham, he was a family worshiper and put the family before the call of God. Even then... Our good, good God, you know the trouble it caused Abraham. He had to wait until his father died, Terah. And when Terah died, Scripture says, and the word of the Lord came to Abraham a second time. So, oh Jesus, there's a word in this room right now, folks, for some of you. <laughs> oh yes, there is. Some of you put your family before God. And I understand that. I empathize with it. And God get, did not give up on Abraham. He had to wait until the father died. And then our good, gracious God came back to him and said, Are you ready now? Will you go now? 
Will you respond to me now? And Abraham did. And the rest is history. We all love our families. Of course we do. Even the heathen do that. Right? That doesn't make you special. Even the heathen do that. That Jesus said that. But whilst loving them, we also make, have to be, or could be called to make enormous sacrifices. Because it's a different phase. A different phase for your future. Where could you be next year? What could you be doing next year? You don't know. We can't perceive it. I just want you to be open to it. Jesus waited 30 years. Moses waited 80 years. Abraham waited 25 years. Joseph waited 13 years in prison because he decided he was going to sort his own timing out. Remember? Fascinating fact because he would have been probably set free. But as the baker and the butler left the prison... Joseph couldn't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> Remember me to Pharaoh. He had to, he had to get involved in it. Instead of stepping back and letting God set him free. Uh-uh. And typical of the way God works. As soon as he spoke, he was dabbling in God's business and God stepped back 14 years. It's like being in court and you speak out of turn, you know. Seven days contempt of court. Well, it was. Moses struck the rock. Contempt of court. Serious stuff, isn't it? So I believe in God taking control of my life, friends. I don't want human involvement in my future and my decisions, and and the big ones, I mean. I will let God do that. And that's the mistake. That's why Joseph wasted 14 years, because of human involvement. Noah, 120 years. That's an excellent example. The Apostle Paul, 13 years. And this is just my opinion. But he said he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. In other words, his qualifications were extreme. He was the most qualified person around, right? He said, if anybody has reason to boast, it's me. Eyes forward, folks. You guys are really qualified. Well done. Praise the Lord. No problem with that. I just hope it's not a blockage. I just hope it's not a blockage. Because it was a blockage to Paul. Blockage to Paul. Paul was smarter than you. Smarter than me. Right? He was outstanding. But Paul got saved and he went to Arabia for 13 years. Disappeared. Because he knew he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. But he also knew there was contention between his natural intellect and the kingdom. Right? And he spent whatever he did in those years. Eventually he comes back and he says this. See my qualifications? They're done. (laughs) So something happened in those years. Right? Something happened to Paul that made him probably the most effective human being in all history. Thirteen books in your Bible come from him, right? Vast majority of your New Testament. So whatever happened, Paul, has to happen to me. I respect qualifications, no problem at all. But I just hope they don't block my way. I hope they're not actually closing doors because it's created pride, as Paul says. And I ask you to check yourself on that. And David, the last one on the list, I put it last because it's the most serious, but don't uh, don't answer this question out loud. Michael, welcome. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I put David last on this list because, don't answer this question out loud, but is anyone here suffering in silence? Is anyone here holding secret pain, secret suffering, that you have and you don't talk about it much 
Well, that's pretty much what happened, David. David was called by Samuel. He was anointed to be king. And as soon as that happened, all hell broke loose. And David spent 14 years in trouble. Can someone deal with this child, please? David spent 14 years in nothing but trouble and persecution. Right? And I would ask you, if you are suffering, if you are going through trauma of any sort, don't despise it. Don't despise it. Eyes forward. You can say to yourself, why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? You can imagine David, right? He had to go and live in a cave. Saul was trying to kill him, to take his life. All from the moment that God called him. So don't be discouraged by that. Rather sanctify it and use it for the betterment of your own future. Amen? Amen. Three simple steps. Very simple, very concise. Step number one this morning. For you to connect with the will of God. Get saved. Everybody saved here? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Get saved and then get connected. These are two different things. You can be saved here this morning. And if I ask for a show of hands, most hands in this place would go up. I don't doubt it. But just because you're saved doesn't mean you're connected. Okay? It doesn't mean you're prophetically connected to the will of God. It doesn't mean you're going to be in pace with his timing. I have a brother who I love very much, but he travels a lot. I travel a lot. So I never see him. So he's in relationship with me. He's a family member. He's my brother. But I don't know what he's thinking because I'm out of fellowship with him, right? And that's like some of us. You are saved. You're in relationship with God. You're a child of God. But do you hear from him? Is he directing your steps? There's a big difference. Get saved, but get connected. Get connected so that you know in your heart that God himself is directing your steps. Amen? Amen. Secondly, well, just to conclude that point, in my opinion, please forgive me, <laughs> please forgive me, but in my opinion, most Christians that I've ever met are following their own plans. And they're following their own plans in their own timing, but a good God still blesses. He still tries to coerce them back to the goals. He wants to take away the stress. And the reason I say that is because I don't hear people talking enough about a word from the Lord. God spoke to me and told me to go to Cape Verde. God spoke to me and told me. I don't hear enough of that. It's not just about being saved. It's about being saved and having a relationship where God is speaking to you, today go to Coventry, Mike. He's speaking to you something that you're secure in. Amen? I take it seriously. I take this massively seriously. Oh, Jesus. Have you got... Husband and wife. David, has Emma got anything to say to you? Lots of things. Lots of things. <laughs> Have you got anything you want me to tell David? What, what, what husband and wife would ask that? If she's got something to say, you should say it, right? You shouldn't have to come to me to ask what your wife is thinking or saying. And vice versa, right? Have you got any idea the number of Christians who come to me as a pastor and say, Pastor, what do you think God's saying to me? Pastor, do you have a word for my future? Or for my... Just pray with me. And what that person is saying, I'm in relationship with God. 
But I'm not in fellowship with God. He is not directing my timing. He is not directing my steps. Hello? Sorry, folks, but the majority of you in this room are like that. And you'll seek a word from someone else. I cannot, I was trying to think yesterday, I cannot remember asking someone for a word. I cannot remember. God forgive me if I did. I never asked Rick for a word. I never asked Peter Finch for a word. I don't need a word. I don't need you to talk to God from my own personal life. Now, if a prophet comes, that's a different thing. So if I'm missing something and a prophet, that's a totally different story. But in terms of my life and my steps, I will personally hear from him. Hello. Because I'm in relationship with him. It's personal. I take this incredibly seriously. And it's the one thing I will never, have never compromised on. I fight for it because I know it's got the ability to mess everything up. I need to know that I'm in the right place. I need to know that I'm making the right decisions. And if you can just get this thing right, just the time, just the timing issue. I repeat, Swindle says this is in the top three, in his opinion, of the actual realistic blockages that Christians struggle with, but they just don't realize it. So get saved. And get connected with God to a point where you're able to hear his voice. And then be willing. That, by the way, let me just say, you have to be willing to obey it. So it's not just about hearing it. He's a, it I, th- I think I shared this with you before. Please listen carefully, folks, because this can change the course of the rest of your life. I, I was standing at the front of this packed church in Glasgow, and I had a serious problem. I needed someone I could depend on to do something. And I needed it done now. Now, my wife, lovely lady, <laughs> but very distracted. <laughs> so I had this thing, and I looked at Jeanette, and I said, love you, darling, but I can't give you this, because I know what she'll say. I'll say, Jeanette, could you, do, could you do this? And she'll say, no, because I'm doing that. And off she goes. That's what she was like. Disappear. I said, okay, no problem. So I didn't ask her, because I knew she wouldn't do it. Are you hearing from God? <laughs> Why is God not talking to me? Maybe he knows I wouldn't do it. And so in that room, I had a doctor called Dr. Pui Wong. She was excellent. She was a doer. And I said, Pui, come here. I need this done. And she grabbed that thing and she did what she, she did it. God's the same. And in this room this morning, God's looking for those who will obey. Why should I tell you when you're not going To do it. You don't want to do it. You're not willing for Abraham, Joseph, whatever the reason. And in my experience, God has always spoken to me when I'm ready. When I'm ready. His word has come. And he's called me. So challenge yourself. And I challenge myself. God forgive me if there's blockages in me to responding to your timing. Do you know what scripture says? It says, woe to the person who says to God, wait. Woe to that person who says to God, you wait because I'm not ready. Right? I'll come back to you in a minute. Just wait. Just wait there, God. Woe to the person. He's not coming back. Uh, Woe to the person who says to God, wait. Because if you don't respond, there's a problem there. 
whoever puts his hand to the plow, then he's not worthy of the call. Amen. Amen. Serious stuff, I know. But get saved. If you're not saved this morning, get saved. And then get connected with God in a sacrificial way that you'll, you're willing to give whatever he asks. And to go wherever he tells you to, to go, to do whatever he tells you to do. At whatever cost that may seem. Step two is very simple. Just find that plan. Find the plan for advancing from God for your own future. Six months ago, I got this guy to help me. He's a health and fitness instructor. He does both. My diet, everything I eat, and my physical strength and body. And it was a very interesting introductory session. We had like two hours together where he puts you on a treadmill and he di- he's doing an assessment. And in that first assessment, he came back to me with the feedback. And the feedback was this. This guy's very popular. Many, many clients. Uh, and I've been with him six months. I'm very happy with him. But that assessment, he said to me, we've got a goal. You want to go somewhere, right? Do you want to go somewhere? <laughs> then what we need to do is we need to find out what your greatest weakness is. And we need to know what your greatest strength is. And as soon as we know what these two things are, you then have the ability to move forward in life. But we need to know both. Just playing to your strength alone will not advance your life. So he did an analysis of my body and he decided that this hip was my greatest weakness. So every once a week since January, I have gone in to meet him and he has tortured me. On mats and also just to get this hip functioning so that I can get the strength bit forward. Amen? You with me? The reason I, I, I mention this, you think of that baby inside. You think of your dream. What's your dream? Just, just ponder it for the moment. What's the greatest blockage to you achieving your dream? The first thing you thought of just now is probably it. Right? What's the greatest hindrance to you achieving that dream? And what is the greatest strength you have in that dream? Think of those two things and then at the same time you develop a strategy for both. And that theoretically, if you do it right and and together with the Holy Spirit, can advance you to where you need to go. Amen? So you, you think of yourself. What hindrances are there? What blockages are there? Lastly... Step three, follow and cooperate with God's timing, no matter how sacrificial or crazy sometimes that timing may be. God calls us to wait patiently, to wait expectantly, to wait gratefully, and to wait with faith and hope. And just in the last two weeks, you know, God forgive me for this, I should never have to share such a testimony, but just in the last two weeks, twice I've been sitting And I've had a word from the Lord twice in two weeks where God has just come up to me and said, praise me. Sorry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So obviously my praise had slipped, right? My gratitude was slipping. And again, a few days later, thank me, praise me. So whatever you are waiting on, thank him, praise him. Wait expectantly, wait gratefully, wait with faith and with hope, and wait patiently because you're waiting on the king. Amen? Stand to your feet one moment. I'm going to ask the worship team to just come back.
I just want to take a few moments before we call Michael and Doreen to come. Just bow your heads and just stay focused for one moment. Life is busy with so many demands. Families, mortgages, homes, children, careers. So many demands. And so often God can slip from first place. And we say to God, wait. Wait until I finish this. Wait until I finish that. And I want you to repent together with me and to put God in first place of the timings for your future, the timings for your steps. Just lift your life to God and say, Lord, forgive me if like Joseph I've had my own schedule, if like Abraham I put my family before you, if like Paul my head got stuffed and my spirit got silenced. Whatever the blockage is, we pray this morning you would unblock. Not just born again, but in relationship with God. In relationship, hearing from Him. Father, for those in this room who constantly seek words from other people, even me, I pray this morning that they would seek you right now. I pray your voice to be clear, to be directive, to be clarifying, and let them know your will. And for those suffering in their waiting time, we pray the healing touch of God, the blessing of God, the comfort of God. For those who need faith, would you give it to them? Blessed are they who wait. For they will not be put to shame. They will not be mocked in the end. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Blessed are they who wait on the Lord. My friends, it takes faith to take action, but it takes faith to wait. And many of us are good at faith for action but impatient with faithful waiting. And today I pray you complete the picture in each of us so that we know when to wait and we know when to act. And Lord, I commit the giftings in this place, the callings, the ministries for the future. And pray you'd refocus every person on whatever that is specifically for them. And we embrace it again. it again this time in your good time David and Emma to come and join me here. And Doreen, you can't hide there. Can we give these guys...
round of applause. Michael and Dorian are not moving far away. They're just going up the road to Coventry to be with Pastor Kwaku there. But they've been faithful servants here for over 122 years. We want to say goodbye to them this morning and pray for them. We're just going to ask Michael to, to say goodbye. Um, I just want to thank God for everything. Um, it, it has been a difficult move, but God has been good um, in, in every phase of it. And um, I just want to thank you for the word too today. Although I was late, but I think there were a few things I heard that touched my heart. Um, and, and I will put this to the fact that, you know, God is faithful. Yeah, God is faithful. Things don't come easy. So far as I'm concerned, never anything that I, I pursue or the Lord leads me to doing doesn't come easy. But in the midst of it, there's a lot of things I learned as a result of that. And I just want to thank God for it. Uh, Coventry is a nice place. And, and <laughs> but, I, but I think that God has something good for us there. And I just want to thank all of you. It's not a far place, just one and a half hour drive. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I would definitely be popping <laughs> in, in and out. But, but I just want to say thank you so much. Amen. Do you know what? I have done this a gazillion times. And I can't remember a man that I asked to share who didn't pass the mic to his wife. Right? You hand the man and either the wife takes it or the man goes, yeah? So can we give him a round of applause for Praise the Lord. It's entirely up to you. Yeah, I want to say thank you so much. I thank God first and foremost and I thank every member of this church for praying with us, for supporting us, for being with us, your advice and everything throughout the whole time we've been in LF LFC. I want to say thank you so much and God bless you. We are not far, we'll be popping in, um, we'll be going for Easter camp. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. Please stand. I'm going to ask David to pray for Michael and Emma come pray for you. Stretch forth your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to have known Michael and Doreen all these years. And sometimes just as you think you're about to grow in your knowledge and the fellowship with someone, they move on. But Lord, they haven't moved away. They'll be nearby. And we pray that, Lord, even as he has said, it's one and a half hours, but even less so because we are in touch on the phone and whatsapps and emails so lord we pray that fellowship continues notwithstanding the fact that they're moving quite a bit away and perhaps not able to be here every sunday but father i pray that lord even as michael sets his foot into coventry that lord you will order his steps even as he puts plans into place for himself and his family we pray that, Lord, you order his steps, give him wisdom, let your grace be upon him. Let it be that the things he does will be only a blessing unto his family, unto the church, and he'll be a source of, of refreshing to the neighborhood in which he lives. 
let it be that because he's there, people can look at him and say, yes, this is a man of a difference in this community. Let it be that his steps are ordered, and Lord, that you preserve them from evil that prevails whenever we make moves like this. Protect him. Lord, protect him and his family and his children from any evil that may prevail in that environment in the name of Jesus. Bless the work of his hands. Let him prosper. Let it be that leaving London into Coventry doesn't become a stumbling block to him, but rather an open door for opportunities that are unlimited to the glory of your holy name. We thank you, Father. We thank you for his life. We thank you for the opportunity, and we pray that will have many, many more testimonies to come of how you have used them in the new environment he's going into. In the name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. And so, Father, we just want to thank you again for where we are today with Michael and Doreen. We pray for them, O oh God, and we pray for Doreen as she also relocates her work. We ask for favor that you establish the work of her hands and father as the support to the family the help meet we ask for greater grace in times in these transitional times to help them to settle we pray for grace oh god even in ministry as they go to the church in coventry we ask for your blessing we ask that as we have heard today they will hear your voice as to what exactly you want them to do there and father we ask for grace that they will reach that goal and they will achieve greater things than they have done in london because when you move up from one step to another it is to a higher height we pray that the land of coventry will receive them oh god and that it will they, it will grant them favor you will grant them favor they will have expansion of God on all sides in Jesus name father we thank you that we'll hear of them year in year out and give praise to your name for this day we thank you that you hear us in Jesus name amen, amen. Just, um, I just want to add it I just see a vision Michael I see one light becoming many lights and I know you've purchased a home there in Coventry I just believe that place will be a place of light like in Goshen but from that will come other lights. So we pray for this couple, that the, the light that they have displayed here, that they will take that and use it to bless that city. Bless Coventry. Bless the neighborhood in which we know many new people are moving in there. We pray that opportunity will be taken advantage of and that the message of the gospel will go forth as they go forth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.